Sometimes studying the Bible can feel overwhelming and confusing. Grounded in Truth with Janet Dennison will help you learn to study, understand, and apply God's Word to your daily life. His Word is true. And guess what? It's for everyone. So thanks for joining us today as we dive into Scripture together. Welcome to the Grounded in Truth podcast with me, Janet Dennison. This is a study about the power of prayer and why praying with God's power is necessary for our lives and ministries. Powerful prayer aligns our hearts, minds, and lives with the will of God and enables the Holy Spirit to continue Jesus' earthly ministry through His disciples. Let's look at today's lesson and learn more about how we can pray more effectively and with an eternal purpose in mind. Welcome to Lesson 9, the final lesson of Volume 2 in our studies on prayer. Today, I kind of wanted to wrap the whole study up with a discussion about what it is to pray as a believer and what every believer should know about the power of prayer. I wanted to take this lesson from a very familiar scene from Acts chapter 4, verses 23 to 31. In many ways, the most important thing to remember, the most important lesson about prayer is that we need to pray. Knowing about prayer doesn't mean you pray. And so I want you to take all of these lessons that we've looked at about prayer, and I want you to apply them. I need to do the same in my life. We need to remember that our prayers have power. We need to remember that our prayers praise God for who He is. We need to remember that our prayers change things in this world, especially in our lives. Our prayers change us and our relationship with God. And so, as scripture says, we are to learn to pray without ceasing. We're to learn to walk in such a close relationship with the Lord through his Holy Spirit that we're constantly living a conversation with the Lord that at any moment he can just lean over and speak to us as one who walks beside us. And we can talk to him in prayer as one who walks beside us. Prayer is one of the greatest gifts of God. So let's remember to pray. The early church in the first century faced impossible odds. They were standing against Rome. They were standing against the Jewish nation. There really wasn't anyone else. The only people they stood with were other Christians. They separated themselves from their culture, from their families, from their friends, from their finances. They separated themselves from their holidays and their festivals. They stepped into a completely new life when they stepped into a life with Jesus Christ. So did we. 
We just often don't recognize that. We were born again when Jesus saved our souls. We pray like the early church prays, knowing that we face impossible odds and we serve the God that Mary, remember, said that with God nothing is impossible. Throughout scripture, God is actually most obvious when his people pray for the impossible and God answers. Peter and John were imprisoned after healing the man at the temple gate called Beautiful. I love this story in the book of Acts. Peter and John were going to the temple for regular prayer time when they walked up the steps and they saw a man who had been placed at the temple gate called Beautiful every day. One of the lessons I like to teach out of this passage is this. Jesus, more than likely, very likely, entered the temple gate called Beautiful every time he went into the temple as well. It was the gate that entered into the court where the Jewish people could be. Jesus chose not to heal a man who had been lame from birth. Instead, he saved this miracle for the early church. Peter and John went up the steps to the gate called Beautiful. And when it says Peter looked at this man, that word looked means they looked at him with purpose and intent. I like to think of Peter and John going up the steps and Jesus leaning out of heaven and through his Holy Spirit saying, he's for you to heal. And then Peter and John look over and know that miracle was for them because they walk up to the man and say, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And the man did. There's no way to measure the impact of what this miracle had on the early church. Jewish people had walked past this man every day for their whole lives when they entered the temple. He was a regular figure there at the temple gate called Beautiful. The next thing they knew, he was inside the courts dancing, praising God, and there was nothing they could do but acknowledge that God had done something. They knew God had healed this man, and Peter and John said it was Jesus. For that, they got thrown in prison where they praised God. They were brought before the same people, the Sanhedrin, who only months before had condemned Jesus Christ to death. And Peter and John found themselves in front of those same people, this same ruling body called the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin didn't know what to do. They were stymied. How could they condemn Peter and John? 
when this man everyone knew had been lame from birth was standing there saying, they spoke and I'm healed. And so they tried to quiet them because they knew they couldn't put them away. That would be too obvious. And so they called Peter and John in to stand in front of them. And they said, do not speak of this to anyone. And I love the words that Peter and John gave back. They said, we can't help but speak about Jesus Christ. They were just as enthralled with the power of God and the miracle they'd been part of as the man who was standing there testifying to what God had done. This moment is immeasurable in the impact it had on Jerusalem. The Christian church grew quickly and by large numbers after this event. But I want to point to the reason why. It wasn't just the fact that this man had been healed. Our prayers have more power than we can possibly fathom. We just need to pray them. So the Sanhedrin released Peter and John and they went back and remember the story how they knocked on the door and everybody thought they were ghosts or something. Peter and John knocked on the door and found a group of people who had gathered to pray for them. And there was no reason why this group of people should ever have believed that the Sanhedrin would release Peter and John. After all, look what they had done to Jesus. And yet they gathered to pray for the impossible. The prayer of a believer is really only limited to the will of God. We should never limit God and what he might want to do at any time. We should pray big prayers. We should pray for everything we think God would want. Believers' prayers, when they are prayed with confidence, are really the reason perfect answers can be given. So Acts chapter 4, verses 22 through 31 talks about the power of praying together with others. In verse 23, it says, When they, Peter and John, were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. We pray most of the time on our own, Never underestimate the power of when two or three or more are gathered in the name of Jesus and they're praying together. When we're all praying for what God wants or what praising for what God has done, those are powerful prayers released into this world. Their prayer was sovereign Lord. They recognized who God was King of kings, Lord of lords, Lord of hosts. 
sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. When we bow our heads to pray, we remember God is enthroned in heaven, the creator of all there is. We need to remember who we're talking to when we pray. We need to acknowledge our gratitude and our awe and our reverence. We need to fear God when we pray to him. And then we pray through the power of this Holy Spirit given to us who guides and authors our prayers. Verse 25 says, Who through the mouth of our father David, your servant said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. They remembered that everything that had just happened to Peter and John had been prophesied in the Old Testament, that the Gentiles would rise up, that there would be those who gathered together against the anointed. Remember the unchanging nature of God. There will always be those who stand against God's called, his anointed. There will always be those who persecute our lives and persecute our choices. There will always be reasons to stay quiet and not praise God openly. There will always be reasons to doubt that maybe what God promised someone else isn't really for us. Satan speaks those doubts to us. There will always be reason to remember who God is. That even though the earth sets itself against the ways of God, he transcends all of the ways of this earth. And mostly, there will always be reasons to remember that the Holy Spirit has always continuously functioned on planet earth to make God known. That's who the Holy Spirit is in you as you pray. He makes God known to you and through your prayers will make God known to others. They continued to praise God, saying, For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. How were they gathered? To do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Those people gathered together praying for Peter and John. Those people gathered were actually praying for the will of God. Even the persecution that Peter and John experienced was predestined by God about his Messiah. They prayed, do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. They understood that their prayers 
were simply accomplishing what God had already planned to do and acknowledging what God had already done. God's always at work. You never have to doubt when you pray that God's answer isn't going out there to be accomplished. So how do believers pray with God's higher purpose? This group could have prayed because they feared for their lives. They could have gathered together because they were afraid of what the Sanhedrin would do to them. They could have gathered not wanting to be part of a group that could be persecuted like Jesus. And yet Peter and James came to the group and they rejoiced, not afraid because Peter and James had arrived, confident because Peter and James had arrived. Instead, as they pray, they're rejoicing in what they see God doing in their lives and in the world. They rejoice because they're part of God's plan. That's the great joy of earth, is knowing that we pray and then accomplish God's purpose and plan for our lives and in the lives of others. There is no higher joy for a Christian than knowing they have walked with God and served him. So what did these early believers pray for? They continued saying, and now Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. That's what they prayed for. They didn't pray for protection. They prayed for boldness to speak God's truth no matter what. And they acknowledged in verse 30 that while you, God, stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus, they understood that Jesus was at work now through his holy hand, another name for God's Holy Spirit, who functions in this world in the same way Jesus functioned. So we can pray in the power of the Holy Spirit to be used by the Holy Spirit to serve God. The people gathered in that room to pray were there because they wanted to pray for the ability to continue the work of Jesus to continue the work they had seen happen through the lives of Peter and John. They wanted to pray to be a servant and a believer like the apostles. And what was the result of those people that had gathered together to pray? It says, when they had prayed, in verse 31, the place where they were gathered was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. What happened because they gathered together to pray as a group of believers who wanted the will of God, who wanted to do the will of God, who wanted to be strengthened to do the will of God. What happened as a result of that prayer? The room was shaken, much like it had been at Pentecost, I imagine. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered. They had confidence. They had strength. They had purpose. They had awe of God. 
all through the Holy Spirit. And they continued to speak the message of God, the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ with boldness. And I will tell you, the city of Jerusalem was impacted. The numbers grew quickly. So did the persecution. But they continued to speak because they continued to pray. God answered their prayers immediately and powerfully because God wanted them to know you have prayed for what I want you to pray for, what you need to pray for, what you need to ask me for. Are we praying to God as we should? Are we praying to be powerful in this world? Are we praying for boldness to speak the gospel, even if it means persecution, maybe even especially because it will mean persecution? The people in our culture need to know all of who God is. They may have enough of God. They may have all of God they want, but they may not have all of God they need. It's up to us to pray for opportunities to speak and further the purpose of God in our world. Are we praying that way? Is our great concern God's plan and purpose, or are we only going to God with our own concerns? Do we share God's goals for what he wants to do in the world? Or are we praying just to ask God to bless our choices? As believers, we should know God. We should know his greatness. We should know his power. We should know his sovereignty. We should know all that he has done in the past because it's what he is capable of doing in the future. We should hope to accomplish what that group gathered in that room to pray understood. They needed strength from God to accomplish his will. It wasn't their will that they were asking God to accomplish. Prayer is an opportunity to spend time with the, with the creator of the universe so that we can align our hearts and our minds with him. Never underestimate the power of prayer to make you closer to God, stronger in the Lord, more attuned to the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life. God saved your soul. He gifted your life so that you could do great things. Pray for God to do great things in and through your life. Corey Ten Boom, the famous author of The Hiding Place, was hidden, only one in her family to survive the Holocaust. And she described prayer in this way. She said, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? That's a profound thought. Does prayer steer your life? Or you, do you just run to prayer when something goes wrong? 
Martin Luther, the leader of the Protestant Reformation, said, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Prayer is to your spiritual life what breathing is to your physical life. Prayer is just that necessary. Beth Moore, who writes a lot of Bible studies, said, if we would turn the time we spent discussing the other's life into prayer time instead, no telling what would happen to the glory of God. Don't just talk about what you hope God will do in someone's life. Take time to pray for it. And Mother Teresa said, God shapes the world by prayer. The more praying there is in the world, the better the world will be. The mightier the forces against evil. That may be my favorite quote for our time today. If the world isn't what we want it to be, is that because God's people aren't praying for the world to be what God wants it to be? How often do you beg God for the opportunity to speak into the culture, the truth of God's word? How often do you gather with others to pray like those that were gathered for Peter and John's sake, that they don't pray to be protected, they pray to accomplish God's will and his purpose, no matter what. Are we bold? Are we trusting? Do we pray to the God who led Moses through the wilderness? Or do we pray to God hoping he will be powerful? Begin your prayers acknowledging and remembering who God is. And after you've praised him for who you know him to be, ask him for what he wants to do through your life. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice always. Pray continuously. And give thanks in every circumstance, because God is at work in your life, accomplishing his will. Powerful prayers are breathing God's will in so that you're able to breathe it out. It's knowing God in your soul. There are important moments of ministry But those moments of prayer are what govern our moments of ministry. Don't think we can do anything for God except pray first that he do it through us. That's the key to praying powerful prayers. It's yielding our lives to this enormous power of God. 
I hope that this study on prayer has helped you to bow your head and enter that throne room with confidence because you've been invited as a child of God to sit at the feet of your Abba Father and talk to him. That's prayer. And you won't leave the throne room the same way you entered. Pray often, pray without ceasing. And you'll be amazed how that changes your life. And you will be blessed for how it changes your eternal life as well. May we pray. I'm glad you are with us. Thanks for listening today. If you're enjoying this study and want to go a little bit deeper, we want to encourage you to download our new Foundations Bible Studies app. In the app, you'll find all of our studies along with some extra resources like video lectures, study guides with commentaries, study questions, and even teaching tips. You can also take notes directly on the app. Everything you need to go deeper, all in one place. And if going deeper into God's Word is your goal, you'll definitely want to check out Janet's latest resource we've just added to the app. Wisdom Matters is an evening devotional that gives you an opportunity to reflect on a verse or two from the Bible before going to sleep. We all need more of God's wisdom, so make sure you check out this important resource. You'll find links in today's show notes for downloading the app on both Apple and Android, or simply go to the App Store and search Foundations Bible Studies. We'll see you there.